Hi, this is Dr. Adrian. Welcome to Health Bite, the podcast where we explore all things health and wellness. Hi again, and welcome to Health Bite. I am so excited today to be here with Clayton Freck. He is the founder and CEO of Angel City Sports, an incredible organization that is dedicated to providing sport and athletic opportunities for children, adults, and veterans with disabilities. And um, welcome, Clayton. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. So excited. This is exciting. It's an organization that is near and dear to my heart. And so I'm excited for you to share. Tell us a little bit about what this organization is and how it came into being. Sure. So what Angel City Sports is, is we're an adaptive and Paralympic sports program, meaning we create sporting sports programming for literally any, any age, um, civilian and military individuals. Um, but they all, the sort of the, the, the common thread or the sort of the connective tissue for our target audience is that they have a physical disability or also a visual impairment or blindness. Um, this is uh, just a gap in the marketplace. Um, and it actually is really poorly understood that if you have a physical disability, uh, where do you go, right? Where do you go for, uh, to learn a sport or to train? And ultimately, you know, wh- whether you're a weekend warrior, just want to live a healthy life, or you aspire to go to the Paralympics, uh, which uh, is hosted two weeks after the Olympics. So uh, yeah, so we've just sort of s- stumbled into this sort of gap in the marketplace. And what's uh, kind of the elephant in the room for us as an organization is uh, the confusion between Special Olympics and the Paralympics. Uh, And so Special Olympics is targeting about 2% of the population with an intellectual disability uh, like Down syndrome. And we serve what really is probably more than 15% of the population that has a physical disability. And there's a real, like a wide, wide range of disabilities included in, in that when I say physical disability. I think that's so important to highlight 15% of the population, which is a number that's quite tremendous, right? And it's, probably and this, it's probably higher. It's probably underreported, right? Because absolutely. it's not, it's not even a, always a safe thing to admit, right? Um, and you might even just be sort of in a place psychologically where you don't want to admit it. So, um, and particularly so that, because the, the physical impairments, like you suggested, span a wide range, a wide range. So describe some of the impairments that you've encountered. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the, the list could go on and on and on. So I'll, I'll keep it sort of short uh, high level. But, uh, but we serve a few of our bigger groups, right, would include uh, amputees or people with limb differences, uh, people with spinal cord injuries, uh, traumatic brain injuries, stroke, cerebral palsy, spina bifida, uh, obviously visual impairment and blindness, uh, dwarfism. Uh, and then there's all these degenerative uh, uh, diseases as well. So MS, muscular dystrophy, et cetera, uh, that we would, we would cover. Um, and then the list just goes, right, just goes on and on and on. 
So Clayton, talk a little bit about how these people um, engage in sport, because it is, I think, a little bit counterintuitive for those of us who are not in contact with um, individuals with physical impairments to understand how someone with a spinal cord injury or a traumatic brain injury or blindness can participate in sport. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, so there's really, I think there's sort of two, there's two sort of takes on this. So there are certain sports that have been created specifically for uh, the community, which, and I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, so in the blind and visually impaired world, right, they, they've literally just created sports. Uh, and so one example is goalball which uh, most people have never even heard of or seen, but it's a Paralympic sport. So it's, it's, it's contested at the, at the highest level. And it's basically like three players guarding a goal and hurling this heavy ball at, I don't know, 40 miles an hour at each other um, that has a little bell and you have to block it, right? Um, and uh, it's an amazing sport and, and you can play it as a, as an, a sighted person. You just put a blindfold on and you're out there with, with the team. Uh, I haven't played it myself, but I've watched it. Uh, and my son Ezra played it uh, a couple of years ago, and it's incredible. It sounds uh, wild. It's terrifying, right? Think about this heavy ball being hurled at you. It's like it's not a bowling ball, but it's a little softer than that, but it's heavy. Um, so that's a sport that's been literally designed for the community. Another sport that's kind of interesting is sitting volleyball. So this is just volleyball with a lowered net, and everyone has to stay on their butt. Right. And the, the rules are like, I think you have to have one butt cheek on the ground at all times or something like that. So, um, so, so it's really interesting. Right. So that's a level playing field for uh, it's, it's primarily an amputee sport. Um, others can participate. But at the elite level, you mostly see amputees, leg amputees uh, primarily. So, you know, having a, a, a lower leg that's not actually in your way, scooting around the floor is, is a benefit. Right. To, to be missing your legs. Um, and so, as far as this, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, go, and so like, so some sports have just been designed specifically for the community. And in other cases, they've just, the sports have been adapted, right? So uh, my favorite example of an adaptive sport that's been altered through uh, rule change in equipment is wheelchair tennis. So uh, the players mostly, you know, you know, mostly people with spinal cord injuries, but you could see, you could have others uh, playing wheelchair tennis. They're in a, a chair designed for tennis, right? That has the right angles and it pivots and it's the really, really mobile and agile on the court. And the players in a chair get two bounces. That's it. That's the, the it's like, incredible. Those you can play with anybody. It's called playing up down. So you have an ambulatory or able-bodied person on one side, you got a person in a chair on the other side. They just get two bounces. They have a little extra time to get to the ball. So um so it's really interesting, right? Um, and these are all sports that nobody really understands or has heard about, or maybe they've heard a little bit, uh, but they don't really understand the nuances of it. And uh, they're right. really cool, right? They're really interesting. And I wanted to, what I wanted to bring up was you, you, your um, line about this being a level playing field. You've watched able-bodied individuals compete against um, this or compete in these sports or attempt to compete in these yeah. sports. Right. Yeah. And it really is, it's rigorous. It's challenging, right. To adapt activity, uh, even for able-bodied or maybe even more so for able-bodied individuals. No, you're right. And, and one of the things we do a lot is, you know, we, um, we bring 
sports into the community, right? Um, and let people try these different sports. And wheelchair basketball is probably our favorite sport to just pop in. We can do it anywhere. We could do it in a church parking lot. You just pop a basket and put some chairs out. And, you know, shooting a basket, you know, is sort of hard, right? For most of us normally. And now you're in a, in a sitting position where you don't get to use, you know, your you're, you don't get to bend your knees. You don't get to use your, you know, your, Force glutes, of your hip, like your hips, yeah, and your hip girdle. Absolutely. Just your arms. Right. right. It's uh, so tremendously really, rigorous, really yeah. interesting. And, and yeah, one of the things that we do is we, we put celebrities in, in chairs to play wheelchair basketball with some of the world's elites. And they all say the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and so you're clearly passionate about what you're offering. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about what this all means to you. But before that, you have a personal story. So tell us a little bit what, what brought you here and what got you involved um, in this line of work. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, like I have an MBA from UCLA. I didn't, I never dreamed that I would be in, I really never dreamed I'd be in the nonprofit space, let alone sports and disability. Like these are just worlds that I didn't understand that, uh, that, that I could never have imagined that this is the journey my life would have taken. Um, but there was sort of that moment, uh, almost 15 years ago when my eldest son was born and he was just born missing, you know, missing some limbs. He was missing his left knee and left fibula. He had a little foot that was sort of, curved up towards his waist. And then on his left hand, he only had one finger. Um, so this is just a, they call it a congenital, you know, sort of a congenital disorder uh, where the, the gene that controls the major limb bones, uh, femur, fibula, ulna got bad directions. And so uh, we did not know this ahead of uh, birth. And, you know, so it was a surprise as he came out of the chute and, um, you know, we, we went through, you know, some, I don't know what the right words are, sort of shock and trauma maybe in that initial stage in the hospital. Um, but it was interesting because you could, you could tell right away, you know, how alert he was and, you know, the, the hospital did all the other ch checks, you know, make sure there was no other, uh, no other challenges that we were facing. It was just a physical difference. Uh, and, but you could tell. Which is so important. Again, you brought this up earlier that there, that there is a difference between you know the cognitive impairments and the physical impairments, yeah. in, yeah. and it, and that's very relevant to the sport and to what you guys do. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because yes. when you compare what we do to Special Olympics, um, you know, the, it's a different need. Totally different need. I mean, you yeah. you you can coach right someone with a physical disability and give them verbal instructions and. And um, they can, you know, there's no, the coaching is completely different. Um, and we have equipment needs, right? Because if you're an amputee, or even if you have a stroke or cerebral palsy or traumatic brain injury, you might have some braces. Um, and then obviously, if you're in a chair, right, you have all these different chairs you use. So, um, so yeah, it's a completely different thing. Uh, and we're really doing our best to make sure people understand those nuances, right? And so how did it occur to you, at what point did it occur to you that this child of yours who um, had limb deficiencies and physical impairment could actually engage in sport? How did this even come about? Yeah, so, so in the hospital, uh, we, we had all of the questions that you could imagine. Is he going to be able to do anything, 
we didn't really know. We didn't know this world. Um, we did have some really sweet advice from uh, the orthopedic surgeon who came by, right, to sort of kind of check in on us. And he said, listen, you're going to put a prosthetic leg on this kid when he's about one years old, and you're going to be chasing him around the mall the same way anybody else is. Like, he kind of told us things were going to be kind of normal, but different, right? Um, he told us exactly what to do from a surgery standpoint, which is incredible to tell it literally he like word for word, what he said we did. It was, it was amazing. So that was and really- just briefly describe that describe what was done. Yeah. So, so, so what he said was, he said, listen, you have a, that left leg's never going to work. Right. But you have a nice little foot there. So when you amputate, you were going to want to amputate that lower leg to help him fit prosthesis better do that before he starts to form memories, which is really interesting, right? Um, but do it when he's old enough to survive a, a tough surgery, right? So really in that two, right, to about two years old is when you want to sort of target that surgery. And he's like, and you're going to want to take a toe from the foot and put it on the left hand because the left hand only had one finger. And so you're going to want to give him some opposition. Uh, and, you know, he didn't make any real specific uh, and give us a lot of specific guidance. Everybody said, you know, there's a, you know, surgery out there called a toe to hand transplantation. Uh, and, you know, you should explore that. And it's because when you amputate, you're going to want to make sure you've, you've used all the parts. You preserve. So yes. Pretty, pretty gruesome concept from, for a, you know, new family, first child, hard things to hear right in the hospital. Um, but the guidance was amazing and he was just dead on. And we, you know, we've, we've sort of followed what he said to it. You team. ultimately underwent that surgery when he we was. Did. We did. Yeah. So he was two, like, he was actually almost three. Um, um, in, and we, um, you know, 15 hours under a microscope, uh, cause you're, you're, you're connecting nerves that are smaller than a hair and the veins and arteries and obviously then the muscles and tendons and all that other stuff. So really complicated surgery, um, he, he, you know, made it through that surgery. Um, so we just, and just to clarify, they took toes from a <laughs> leg that was amputated and they created fingers yeah, that yeah, were we functional. Took, yeah. So he had one finger and we took the big toe. So he, you know, has two, two fingers on the left hand. Um, and, uh, it was, I mean, it's a miracle, right? It's like literally a miracle because the, the definition of a hand is, is actually, right? The ability to oppose and hold things. And so we, we even just adding one finger gave him a, a hand. So, uh, so anyway, you're getting a lot of the, the, the medical stuff, but, uh, so in terms of sport, right, the journey for him is, there's a couple data points that are really, really sweet. So, um, well, one's a little sad and then it gets sweet. So, um, that summer that he was born, he was born in May. Um, you know, I always imagined, I grew up in Santa Barbara, right, uh, surfing, skateboarding. I always imagined surfing with my kids. And so, uh, and, and that's often how sort of dads, right, kind of think about children. It's like, well, what did your dad do with you? And what am I going to do with these kids? And so I didn't, I didn't understand that anything was possible. I just didn't understand anything was possible. And I, the thing that really made me sad was I, that I didn't think I'd be able to surf with my kid, which um, – I just surfing just such a beautiful sport, right? And a way to connect with nature. And um, so I would go surf that summer and I just would cry. You know, I wouldn't even catch waves. I just would be out in the water um, and no one can tell you're crying, right? When you're surfing. So it's like the best place to cry. Um, 
And, you know, for me, looking back on that summer, I mean, it's, I see, it seems so silly and so trite. And what was I, what was I doing? But I just didn't know, right? It was just clueless. Um, I was blind, right? Is literally the word I like to use. I was blind to what was possible for my kid. But it got me going. It got me thinking, okay, so what, what could he do? And so I started Googling. We did have Google, you know, 15 years ago. Um, right. what, you know, what, like what, amputee surfing, right? Is that a thing? And stumbled into, right, in a couple organizations and started getting connected and um, started to realize um, anything was possible. And there's like, in, in amputee surfing is a thing and, and actually now sort of adaptive surfing is a thing. There's people with spinal cord injuries and all these amazing athletes surfing. Um, so that was what kind of got me out of my, my funk. And I kind of got on a mission at that point to like become, a, I don't know if an expert's the right word, but sort of ramp up my knowledge of what was possible for people with disabilities. And the sweet moments for this kid are that he, it just, he came out of shoot programmed for sport. He loves sport, right? He, he saw his first ball when he was like six months old and he like went crazy for this little mm -hmm. ball. We were rolling the ball across the floor together. Um, you know, he learned to count by twos watching Laker games before he even knew how to count by ones. Like he, the kid is, was so sport obsessed. Um, and so really like this whole journey has been about following that and following him and his journey and finding ways to, <clears throat> excuse me, finding ways to support him uh, in his journey of being just a sport minded kid. That's just who, who, who Ezra has been since, since day one. Yeah, incredible. And and now he is um, a teenager, 15, 16. 14. 14. <laughs> he, he, he looks more advanced than 14, and you can yep. check him out, um, Ezra, um, who's training for the Paralympics, in part due to what you have provided, sure. right? Yeah. In yeah, part so due to so, – so tell us a little bit about – what exactly you're offering here? Because on a very uh, superficial um, level, um, you're you're offering sports opportunities, yep. right? Mm -hmm. But there's so much more depth to what you're truly offering. Um, one, the technicalities in regards to uh, opportunities to play in bigger venues. And, and something a little bit more deep and maybe spiritual. So speak to that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm going to bring it back to Ezra and then kind of just kind of lay that out because I think it's really interesting. So as uh, uh, he's in a, so Ezra's an above knee amputee, he's been on a blade since he was four years old. Um, he's been able to participate in sports, uh, mainstream sports against able-bodied kids most of his life. He played club basketball at a, at a very elite level, played soccer, quarterback for the football, black football team. Um, and, you know, you, you know, I've been able to sort of watch how important sports was right for him. And, you know, what the, the pivot to sort of creating agency sports was, um, you know, I wanted him to start to dream beyond playing in the NBA, right? Which is a hard dream for anybody. Um, and I took him to a, a Paralympic competition in Oklahoma, the Endeavor Games. And uh, he was eight years old, it was 2013. And we got inspired, like, oh my gosh, you know, we were the only family from California. Um, 
you know, we, we need to have something like this in Southern California. I got 20 million people that are within a two hour drive. I've got weather and facilities. And, and it's incredible, right? That it, in it such a large yeah. Yeah. hustling city that this does not exist. Yeah. So, so, and this was an event that was sort of known in the Paralympic community as like the best place to start. Right. So, which is why veteran out of military, you know, so it has a lot of newer athletes and it was amazing. Like it, it blew our mind. Um, and you know, we'd been connected to this, the disabled community for many, many years through some other organizations, but this being able to learn and compete and meet Paralympians and men mentors and all this, like they put it all together so beautifully. And so literally on the track that Sunday in Oklahoma, I was like, this is, I don't know if it's the only thing I'm meant to do in my life, but it's something that I was meant to do because not everybody had the resources to fly or whatever from wherever they were. Certainly I was the only family from California um, in Oklahoma at this event. And so I came back to LA on this mission, right. To create, replicate what they had done. Cause it was so amazing. And so you, you know, you wanted me to talk about sort of the spiritual side of this. Well, you know, so from a technical standpoint, right. We're bringing together, sort of everything you need to, to participate in sports, right? So we're bringing you the equipment, the coaching, the facility, um, right? The, the, the other athletes that you need to participate with in case it's a team sport or just to learn from. Um, but the beauty of this is when you have a disability, you tend to feel very socially isolated, right? Which is uh, sort of interesting in today's day and age where we're all socially isolated. That's, the, that's our purpose and our job right now is stay socially isolated. And, and we're, it, and we're recording this in the midst of um, quarantine for yes. COVID-19. So, right. so, so, so the but, isolation is what is, that's what uh, Clayton is referring to. Yes. And so, but like th th this community feels that right. It's already very, it's a lonely journey to have a physical disability. And so when you bring people together like this, uh, through sport, through fun, through activities and play, essentially, right? Um, it It's, yeah, okay, the physical health benefits are there. But I think that the more important benefits are emotional and social and creating this community and really building a sense of belonging, right? Because if you're living life as a, someone with a physical disability, you don't feel like you belong. Um, and so we're creating this place, this sort of gathering place where uh, everyone feels like they belong. I like to say where everybody, right? Separate words, uh, everybody uh, right. feels like they belong, right? And I think that's, everybody wants to feel like they belong and feel like they're part of something. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the real beauty. It's really the, the truest intention. Uh, and it's where we get the most joy is when you see someone kind of come to life or a child that's been injured, right, sort of blossoms like a flower because they realize they're not alone. They have a community. They now have some friends that are like them. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. In and now life. you have this organization that is uh, four or five years old, right? Angel City yeah. Sports. Yeah, we're, in our, we're technically in our sixth year of programming. Um, I... I left the corporate world about five years ago to get this started. Um, and uh, we, you know, we were on pace uh, pre-COVID-19 uh, crisis, but to do about 100 clinics. So we were doing multiple events each weekend, 
um, and really improving access to sport for this community. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and, and doing it through uh, providing community through sport, doing it with, with tennis, basketball, golf, yeah, right? exactly. Swimming. Yeah, we were, we were going to do over 20 sports this year. Um, some are the Paralymp- Paralympic sports that are, you know, contested at the Paralympic Games and others are just fun recreational sports that, that you know, that, that anyone could do. And I love that it is building community through sport because that's really something that it, that is uh, the sense of belonging is such a common theme. There's a commonality, uh, able-bodied, disabled, it doesn't matter, but bringing people together in community through sport is something that's very powerful, right? It, it is. And when you really look at it, 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 it sounds so, it sounds so simple and everybody, people say the same thing, boys and girls club, we, you know, AYSO, everybody's going to sort of say the same thing, but for our community, the barriers for them to do this are significant. I mean, Ezra's leg is $15,000. Uh, a sport chair is, you know, whatever, two to $3,000 and you need multiple chairs for different sports. If you're an active person, um, let alone where's the coaching and, and who's going to open up their facility to you. And cause you can't just roll into a, you know, your local gym and play with your basketball. There needs to be people there in chairs <laughs> ready to play with you. Right. So there's financial barriers, there's yeah. uh, expertise, there's- barriers and expertise. And then yeah. the biggest one, which <laughs> is an emotional barrier um, that you guys address quite uh, concretely, right? You, you, you guys are like a crusade. Um, <laughs> riding around town, right? Describe one of the one of your stories of of driving in the car and and witnessing a disabled individual minding their own business. Yeah. Well, How do yeah. you interact with them? So, so I'm I'm trying to train up an army to do what I do, which is which is uh, it's been been fun. So um, I basically, if you're if you're walking down the street, right, and you've got a limp, I'm gonna come up and ask you what's going on. Um, and so uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, it takes a lot of courage, right, to approach a stranger and ask them why are they limping. Um, but I I do it almost every day. Yeah, you um, literally, and by that you mean that you literally will stop your car and approach a disabled individual out in the street and encourage and invite them to join you in sport. Yeah, I mean I like so many of these stories, but probably my favorite one is the gas station story, which was a couple of years ago. We were going, my whole family's in the car, and I'm in the passenger seat my wife's driving and we're, we're heading to an art show right and I look out the window and I, I see an amputee working at the gas station taking out the trash and uh, I'm like oh my gosh there's, a, there's an amputee over there pull over and we, you know we, my wife crosses a couple lanes of traffic and we pull into the gas station and um, Ezra my son and I sort of jump out right and um, you know if in any scenario, in any other scenario, the guy would have been freaked out, right? But he sees Ezra on a prosthetic, and he goes, he he realizes that you know we're not, you know, we're not we're not going to rob him, um, right? But uh, but so we we jump out and we start talking to this sweet young man, Alex, who lost his leg to a tumor, I think, about eight years prior, and uh, you know, so he's been part of our our community since then, and I'm really really proud. Uh, to, well, first of all, he didn't have health insurance. He didn't have a, uh, you know, any kind of a prosthetic provider. He had an older leg that was kind of running down. Um, and I'm really proud to tell you that he, we got him a running leg 
and he ran at the Angel City Games last year uh, for one of the first times, and he barely got the leg before he ran at the Games, which is amazing. It's, this young man was a soccer player and a really active guy. Um, and then through our friends and partners, um, we, we helped arrange for him to have like a $70,000 computerized knee that knows when you're going upstairs and it knows when you're falling. So it locks. I mean, it's really, you know, even my own son doesn't have this, this level of knee. And so here's a kid that, you know, young man that went from, you know, whatever minimum wage gas station job, no health insurance, no press. I mean, he had a prosthetic, but again, it was old, it was kind of on its last legs. Um, and now he's got, you know, two state of the art legs, um, and he's, he's active, you know, I just put him in a Zappos ad, uh, a couple weeks ago. That's incredible. Um, so like and providing so opportunity. So this was someone who was, who was engaged in sport prior to all of this, prior to yep. his injury and thought that he never would be able to return to sport. So really providing hope and opportunity. Yep, yeah. exactly. We, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned COVID a little bit and um, this kind of situation that we're in. And um, it just makes me reflect that, you know, I'm not one to think that things happen for a reason, that we are given bum deals or have to suffer for a reason. But it's the way in which we respond to that suffering. It's in that moment that we create meaning, right? And, and you certainly have created meaning out of a situation that presented a challenge for you. Yeah, I mean, that's a sweet way to say it. I mean, I think it's, uh, for me, it's, 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 uh, it, it's about impact, right? And learning from my journey and my journey of our journey, my wife and I's journey of raising Ezra and seeing what worked, right? And figuring out how do you scale that, right? Like, uh, how do you, how do you impact hundreds, thousands, and over time, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people? Um, because this was really hard, right? This is not an easy journey. And, uh, you know, again, we got some, we have some great friends and mentors and advisors along the way. So we had a lot of support and help, um, but really challenging, you know? Um, so, uh, I think that right. If, if that's if that can be a lesson for humanity, great. Um, but it's it's this is not an easy journey, right? And that um, and we all kind of need each other, right? Uh, so again, yeah. going back to uh, power of connection and community, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so it's it's been the I mean it's been the hardest thing I've done in my life to sort of pivot my career and to build this thing, but it's probably the thing that means the most to me, right? Um, because I see how, I see the, the light and the joy and the excitement in our athletes' eyes when they realize they can pretty much do anything, right? It might be done differently, but they can pretty much do any sport. Um, you know, you'd be blown away. I mean, they do adaptive rock climbing and, you know, like, it's, it's amazing. So uh, there really are no limits. And I love how this relates and pertains to health and well-being on a very concrete level. Sport, of course, uh, relates to, to health. Um, but again, on a spiritual level, um, you, can, uh, you can glean from your words how your work has, 
has not only fostered a sense of well-being in you, but well-being in your community. Yeah. So I love yeah, that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and one of the keys to all of this for us is leveraging Paralympians, right? So athletes that have been through this journey, that have made it to the elite level, whether they're active or retired, um, because they all they all share a desire to make that road easier for the next person, right? Which is really interesting. Uh, it's, it's not the same in the Olympics or the NFL or any of these other, right? Because um, the journey is so hard. And so they, they we There's use There's a true camaraderie them. there. Yeah, we use yeah. them as coaches and mentors. Um, and really, they are the heart and soul of what we do. And again, not everybody will be elite. That's not the point. But, but they they have made it to that level for a reason. And so they, they're the most amazing coaches for us because they look for the, the kid that's in the corner that's not engaged yet and they go get them and they drag them out. Um, and uh, because we want, we want everyone to enjoy the benefits of sport and, and we don't want to leave anybody out. So if you've taken the, the courage to show up, we're going to do everything in our power to get you to participate. Uh, again, it's hard. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Um, but I mean, the Paralympians are really, you know, to me, the sort of the heart and soul of this because they really understand how hard it was to get where they were. And they got lucky. Usually somebody along the way kind of pointed them in that direction. And then they obviously took it to, you know, to an elite level. Um, and you have, and you have through this organization allowed for that um, in such a big city where there was a need and a gap, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, uh, provided an opportunity for people to train and to qualify for major events like the Paralympics. And while it remains to be seen what happens um, this coming year in 2020, um, you have certainly uh, created an infrastructure um to allow this to happen in the years to come so um we're grateful to you as a society for what you've done and thank you for sharing your beautiful story with us and i encourage our guests to check out angel city sports and angel city games it's a terrific organization and one that is um really um really inspiring to say the least so again clayton i thank you for joining us. It's been wonderful. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.